a guy that, you know, day in and day out, you know he's going to give 110%. There's not a day. Welcome to the Sports Forecasters Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. This podcast has been created not to dwell and over-evaluate what has already happened in the sports world, but to predict and to forecast what has yet to come. From game picks to draft picks, and from trades to free agent signings, we will let you know what happens before it happens. Your hosts, Nick and Nate, will evaluate, study, and understand sports patterns, tendencies, and nuances to better prepare you on what to expect. Just like Weatherman, but way more accurate. So if you like to pick games, or you simply just want to be in the know before anybody else, you are in the right place. Enjoy the show. What's up, listeners? The Sports Forecasters are back this Friday, and we are here, and we're splendid. This is Nathan. We got Nick here. How's it going? Going well. NFL season's well underway. MLB's heading to their league championship series. Things are getting underway with the NBA. Lots of sports happenings. Where are we going today, Nathan? Well, we're going to go everywhere, but first, I want to just talk about how spectacular of a weekend I had. Now, if you follow my Nate's 8 picks... I maybe that didn't go super well, but I make a lot of other picks throughout this process, and so I nailed my eight game parlay that I had that um, I I won a nearly gosh how much money did I win on that one. This is all fake money by the way. I just because it's not legal in Ohio yet, but I put twenty dollars down on my eight leg parlay and won nearly two hundred seventy dollars off that. I honestly missed only one, two, three, four games out of the 14 that I betted on. So unfortunately though, the ones that you saw in they take picks happened to be the, just the ones I lost. So um, I'll do a better job at that, but just, I nailed it, man. And I just, I started off with $500 at the, at the beginning of the year. I'm up to over $1,200 right now, just betting on games, you know, and I, I weeks two, three, four, they're very up and down, but dude, I've got data now. My, my algorithm is tuned in and notched in and on fire so i am gonna the rest of the season gonna be amazing so tune in to the forecasters podcast is and tune into my sunday morning podcast where i do my nfl betting line like i said i'm not even i haven't i'm nowhere near at my best yet and i've already doubled my original uh monetary amount so really really exciting but enough about me let's talk about sports let's do some more forecasting and we're gonna start with Field goals and extra points. One of the worst weekends I think we've ever seen regarding to field goals and extra points, which is kind of ironic because we just, the weekend before this past weekend, we just saw the NFL record be broken, right, for the longest field goal ever. And then and then this debacle happened. So, Nick, break it down. What What is this telling us? Is this, is this kind of what the norm is going to be? Is this a fluke? Um, what do you take about all these missed field goals and extra points, particularly from the Cincinnati-Green Bay game? Well, this did tie a record that was set in 2016 of 12 misses. So that was baffling to see in itself that they tied it. It just felt like everywhere you would look with games and trying to update it because here, there, and everywhere, you can't watch them all at one time, that extra points are being missed and then these field goals are being shanked. The Green Bay-Cincinnati game, I want to say four to five times someone had a chance to win it. And it was on the sixth time that someone finally decided, oh, I'm going to make it and we're going to end this game because we don't want to 
and with a tie. All these extra points and field goals being missed change a lot of dynamics of the games. The Browns-Chargers game, had the Browns been able to move the ball down the field, that would have made things very interesting for the Browns because all they need to do is get in the end zone being down by five. Ravens-Colts, the whole dynamic of that game changed about being able to get to overtime because of things going wrong for teams. And it was just, it was very baffling to see. And for me, it's like, is this going to be the trend? I don't think so. I think what's going to happen now is your special teams coaches get pulled back into the rooms because I didn't see a million kickers get cut the next day. So no one overreacted. I wonder how much was execution fundamentals because I'm not going to sit there and look at every field goal attempt that was missed or anything like that. I don't have the time nor the know-how to know what's going on. But I think some parts of special teams may have been overlooked and those are going to get shored up because as you get into the colder months, those points are at a premium. You want to make sure you're getting those things down. Your punt teams, make sure those are down because it's going to be the special teams that can be that turning point for those teams that are close, vying for playoff spots and in playoff matchups to win. So I think this was a wake-up call for the league in general to just get things together operation-wise because I'm going to guess not half, but I would guess at least four to five of these missed extra points and or field goals were execution on the special teams part, not just the kickers. What's your take on it, Nathan? My take on it is that I think it was just uh, really just a fluke week. And what I how I kind of view kickers is, you know, since it's MLB playoffs, is, is how I view pinch hitters. Um, a kicker comes in once, you know, like, Five percent of the total plays, um, in a in a game, so very little. But when they come in, it's really for a very very important moment of the game. Um, they're to they're either in there to bail out an offense that failed to get in the end zone, or they're in there to literally kick a game winning field goal. So when the, when you kicker comes in, just like a pinch hitter, it's just like there's this expectation upon them that you just expect them to just execute, right? Oh, here's a free for three points. But when a pinch hitter comes in, it's just like, oh, there's a reason they did this because we know we're going to get this hit, you know, and then they strike out and it's just like, well, that was disappointing, right? So there's just, there's an, an immense amount of pressure I think we take for granted on a kicker. Um, and sometimes that pressure really gets the best of them. And so I think there's, depending, it's very situational and it really depends on a lot of factors. But I just, I just think we, ran into a day where that pressure just got to a lot of these kickers and and they just didn't execute it you know and and just mason crosby like a sure kicker missed field goals and just 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 out of the ordinary so i don't think this is a trend i think it's just a one-off week and i just i think we need to really appreciate how valuable these kickers are and and how much pressure is put upon them to to execute their five percent that they give to this game so, with that being said, let's talk about someone that gives a little bit more than 5% of the game. Uh, basically, 95% of the offense runs through this man, and this guy's Lamar Jackson. He put on quite a show Monday night, you know, and I was down, I will say this, I was down 134 to 82 going into that Monday night game in my fantasy league, and I had Lamar John- Jackson and uh, Jonathan Taylor yet to play. Let's just say I won that game 151 to 134. They just killed it for me. So I'm happy to see him put up those stats. But I, I've been very critical of Lamar um, in the past. And I'm personally still shocked how much he's succeeded and continues to succeed. 
And I'll first, we'll start with you, Nick. Let me ask you this question. Are you sold that Lamar Jackson is here to stay? Like, even though he's a little unconventional, he's a little different, a little unique. Is is this Lamar Jackson, like, for real? Like, do we are we going to see this for the next, you know, maybe 10 years? And the Baltimore Ravens are going to be a playoff Super Bowl contender? I think because of the coaching system they have, they do a very good job of helping fit to his strengths, but also hiding things and help protecting him during the season. When teams go week to week on facing opponents, they don't have a lot of time to game plan. So I think Lamar for the next, I'd say three to maybe five years, he's still going to have these gaudy numbers, these great games during the regular season. He's going to have these moments of boom, and there's going to be those moments of bust. As of late, we haven't had many moments of bust. There have been inklings of it. Right now we're hitting a boom period. And that's just because the Ravens organization is so well put together that I feel like they game plan well. And for teams, it's hard to take a week to just plan for Lamar because he's so unique. But when it comes playoff time, as history has shown up to this point, they just don't execute the greatest in the playoffs because a team has, they don't have to worry about anyone else anymore. It's just the Ravens. We have to beat the Ravens. Then we can worry about the next week. And history has shown that Lamar's exposed at that point. Now, I know he got a win here last year, but the next game, it wasn't much better. I think they will be playoff contenders because of how they put their roster together, how they game plan, and just it's so hard to game plan for Lamar within a regular season of 17 games now. It's just like you want him to you want to beat him, but you can't change everything you're doing just for that game. You're going to do the best you can to adapt what you have and tweak things but you're going to keep your core principles. So during the regular season, I think Lamar is always going to find success. The Ravens are going to find themselves in playoff contention. But when it comes to playoff time, I don't know. I, they just don't have enough around them for me to confidently say they're going to be a Super Bowl contender, especially this season. Future seasons, if they make a lot of moves, I mean, there's always that possibility because NFL, that's the nice thing about this league is even though familiar faces can be at the top, it's always a lot of fun to see how it breaks down towards the end of the season who has that lucky streak going into it so very long answer regular season i think he puts up good numbers puts them in playoff contention but when it comes to playoffs i'm not convinced it's a super bowl contender yet what are your thoughts nathan when i think of you know lamar i, I like to make some comps and i miss make i compare kickers to pinch hitters in baseball so i'm gonna now compare some football players to basketball players and when I think of, let's say, Tom Brady, he's LeBron James, just a, a guy that just seems to defy the age of that sport. He, he seems to be getting better as he gets older, right? Has won several rings um, and championships um, and just takes really, really good care of his body, right? That's a very obvious comparison. Another, I think, obvious comparison is, is Chris Paul and Russell Wilson, just Two guys that maybe aren't uh, just they're very great, superb leaders. No matter what situation they're in, they're going to carry that team. Maybe not the flashiest of players, but just very consistent and dependable players. Kevin Durant and Aaron Rodgers, I would say, are comps. Maybe talent-wise, the two talentous players in their respective sports. Um, but they come with, you know, some baggage, you know, they tend to be a little bit, uh, moody or have some 
I don't know, maybe emotional issues or just hard to coach, right? They just have a, a character about them that just seems to be a little different, a little challenging and maybe slightly annoying. But anyways, Lamar Jackson to me is the Russell Westbrook. A guy that, you know, day in and day out, you know he's going to give 110%. There's not a day where Russell Westbrook gave less than 110%. Same thing with Lamar Jackson. And they, Lamar has he won the MVP because he put up the craziest numbers we've ever seen in this league with rushing and passing. Just the same reason why, why, why Russell Westbrook won the MVP because he averaged a triple-double. Just puts up these crazy stats, right? But, like, did he equate to wins and championships? No. Right. And so Lamar Jackson, I just saw a stat. He has he's responsible for more yards than 18 of the 32 NFL teams do in total. And people think, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. He's so good. Like the Ravens are so good. Well, that's not good. You don't want your player to be 95 percent of your offense. Right. You need balance you need consistency and I was problem with Russell Westbrook everything went through him he either was responsible for the pass or the shot or the rebound but like that deteriorates a team and that's my that's my fear with Lamar I'm not questioning his unique talent he's very uniquely talented in this position and obviously it has generated to great stats and to and to wins in the regular season let's just be real here like they lost to the Raiders in week one the Chiefs game that really could have gone either way, but like that's a t- that's a game that they were down, probably should have lost, but they came back. Well, it ended up winning it. They should have beat the Lions. Uh, the refs helped them out there. Uh, they were down 16 points to the Colts. Probably had to need a needed an injured kicker for the Colts and a couple breaks to win that game. Really, the only legitimate win, and it's not even super legitimate, is the Broncos win. But they were playing against their backup quarterback. This is a team that I honestly think could be 0-5 e- easily. Like, no no win for them has been like, oh my gosh, like, they deserve to be 4-1. Like, it could easily be 0-5. Lamar Jackson just, he just puts up stats to put up stats. I I, I, I sense this team is going to degrade a bit. I sense this team, they got some tough, they got Browns twice, they got Steelers twice, they still got the Rams in there. They got the Bengals twice. They're playing really well. So... Lamar will put up stats, but will he equate to wins and longevity and Super Bowls? I don't think so. He's the Russell Westbrook of the NFL. And, yeah, he's going to win an MVP for his stats, but not for his success. So that's where I'm at right now, And um, but we'll, we'll wait and see. So let's get to our final forecasting here. MLB playoffs, who's in it, who's in the World Series, and who wins it? Well, we have the Red Sox and Astros who made it in the American League for the American League. I'm just going to go with the Red Sox. I mean, they're hitting a hot streak right now. Astros are, are probably the better team on paper, or at least during the season. Record-wise, they were the better team, but the Red Sox have fought their way into this. So I'm going to say they're going to be in the World Series on the American League side. And the National League side, you're going to have the Braves versus Dodgers or Giants. I think the winner of the Giants or Dodgers series is the one that ends up ultimately winning it. Sorry, Atlanta fans. And I'm just going to say the Dodgers end up going no real merit, no real history to really go off it. I just, they made it to the dance and that's all that matters. So at the Red Sox and Dodgers going head to head in the World Series, and I'm going to say the Dodgers win it. What do you have, Nathan? Oh, man. I got Dodgers, Red Sox, Dodgers winning it. <laughs> so that's what I came up with. I, I will say one thing. I saw this thing where when the World Series logo has a pennant in it, 
the Red Sox have won the World Series since 2004. This year doesn't have the pennant in it, but the ALCS logo does. So that's my reasoning. Red Sox when the ALCS go to the World Series. Um, Dodgers are just way too talented. They'll find their way there, and Dodgers win it. Yep. So we're in agreement there. Now let's get to our picks for this week. We're going to start off with the Saturday night football game, which this week um, probably not one of the more thrilling matchups of all of them, but it is the Saturday night football game of TCU at Oklahoma. What are you seeing in this, Nathan? Um, I'm going to pick the over the 65. That Texas-Oklahoma game was crazy, and that one ended up going into the hundreds <laughs> for the, the total score. So I don't – the TCU defense is not very good. Um, Oklahoma offense seems to be clicking a little bit more. And I think they put their backup quarterback in for Oklahoma and they look better. So it'll be interesting there what they do. But TCU has a really good offense and I, I never like Oklahoma defense. So needless to say, I think this is going to be another shootout because it's the Big 12. So I'm, I'm actually going to do the over the 65. I feel like that's a safe bet. I decided to go with the spread. I don't think TCU wins the game, but I think they cover the 13 and a half points that they're being allotted. I think they keep it closer than that. Both teams, for my barometer gauge and making this deciding factor, is they both face Texas. TCU lost by eight to them. Oklahoma won by seven. So by that merit, I think they can keep this game. TCU will have enough offensive output to keep the game close. They won't win, but they'll stay within the 13 and a half points. Moving on next to our picks for this week in our NFL games. We'll start with our spread picks. Who do you have for your spread pick, Nathan? We're going to go to the team that has the averages the most points per game and allows the least amount of points per game, and that's Buffalo. So they're only surprisingly favored by five and a half points, and they're beating their opponents by an average of like, what, 20, 25 points? So Buffalo is insane right now. So... Five and a half points against a Tennessee team that has a terrible defense. I like my pick there. My pick's going to be with another division rivalry going on this week in Chicago. Last time I said the Lions were going to win it this week. I'm saying the Packers are going to cover their spread at four and a half points. Last four times they've went well over four and a half against the Bears. I say that trend continues for this game, winning by more than four and a half points. Aaron Rodgers likes to stick it to his division rivals, whether it's Bears, Vikings, or Lions. He likes to run up the score on them if possible. He does it against the Bears here, who are still meandering with their quarterback. Fields is expected to be back, but will that be enough to overcome the track meet that the Packers will put on against them? I don't think so. Moving on to our over-under. What do you have for your over-under, Nathan? Um, I'm going to a team that seems to get the over every week. Uh, both these teams seem to be getting the over every week. It's two of the worst defenses in the league, but they still have a very electrifying offense. I'm going to the Kansas City-Washington game. Heineke is looking really good. That Washington team puts up a lot of points, but that defense is terrible, uh, which is a, probably one of the biggest surprises this year. And then we know, uh, we know about Kansas City's defense. So 55-and-a-half. Um, when they're both uh, averaging, you know, over, you know, around 30 points a game and allowing about as nearly as much. I think this is a pretty easy over, in my opinion. For me, I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals at the Cleveland Browns. Both teams have been scoring well into the mid-20s, low-30s each week. Not that I think it'll be a game like the Chargers versus Browns, but I think there's going to be more than 49 and a half points scored in this game. So I'm going over with the Cardinals at the Browns. 
Moving on to our money line. What's your money line pick this week, Nathan? This one kills because I'm picking against my team. I think Jacksonville gets their first win of the season in London against Miami. Uh, I know Tua is back, but that means nothing. He's no better than Jacoby Brissett's. And coming back from an injury for a guy that's been injured his entire life, how confident is he going to be in the pocket and in himself? I question that. Um, I think the pressure's off of this Jacksonville team and the, the spotlight's off of Urban Meyer with the news about John Gruden. So I think there's this is a, a very relaxed week. They can just like leave the country, get away from all this stuff. The spotlight's on the Raiders, and I think it's just a very relaxing and a relief week, week for them to prep for one of the worst teams in the NFL. So the, and the Dolphins' defense has been horrendous. Jacksonville gets their first win, and I guess a cool stat here last week but Kyle Pitts got his first ever NFL touchdown pass on foreign soil I'm gonna take a gander he's the first NFL player ever to catch his first ever touchdown on foreign soil next week we're gonna have a coach to get his first ever win in the NFL on foreign soil and that's Urban Meyer what's your money line my money line this week is going with the team you've mentioned several times not either the teams contending against each other in London but the Raiders, I'm going to say the Raiders end up showing that they are not bro- a broken franchise, that they march on with their new leader, their interim coach, and they get the win against the Broncos. The last four meetings that they've had, they've won three of those four, and they try to continue that trend to get themselves back on track after losing a couple. Moving on to our Sunday night football game, we have the Seahawks at the Steelers. What are you looking at for this game, Nathan? Obviously, this is a tough game to look at, given the fact that Russell Wilson isn't playing. And you just don't know what you're going to get from Pittsburgh. Uh, they're up and down. So if I would stay away from this game, but because of our competition, <laughs> um, we're betting on the Sunday night game. I think for me, the easiest thing is just to pick the over here. I think it's a super low, 42 and a half right now. Geno Smith looked really good against the Rams. And the Rams have really good defense. So he actually scored more points in the last time than Russell Wilson. Now, granted, the Rams didn't prepare for Geno Smith. Um, so that always helps. But Geno Smith used to be a starter in this league. So I think he's going to hold his own. And and he's got the entire week to work with the first team uh, the first team, and get the rubs with them. So, you know, he, he knows what it like. He knows what it's like to be a, a starter quarterback starting quarterback in this league. So I, I don't want to just like, oh my gosh, Seahawks can score 10 points because Russell Wilson isn't playing. Um, I think he's going to hold his own, and I think they're going to they're gonna able to score at least 20-some points, right? And if the Seahawks is a bottom three defense in this league, and I know Pittsburgh offense hasn't been that good, but they're going to go against a bottom three defense. I think Pittsburgh's going to put up some points too, um, at least 20-some points. So I, I just think 42 and a half is a little low. So I think it's, I love my over here. Absolutely. Uh, I decided not to go with over-under on this just because I didn't want to get too heavy with it. I'm going to say with Gino coming into the system, not that Big Ben's been lights out or rock solid, but I'm going to say the Steelers cover their four and a half points that they're giving up. Steelers win it at home. Seahawks travel on the West Coast with Gino. Just too many things going against them, so Steelers cover their four and a half that they're giving up on that game. Moving on to our wild card. Where are you going with your wild card this week, Nathan? For my wild card, I am going to Denver, um, the Vegas-Denver game. 
Uh, this Denver offense has looked horrendous the last couple of weeks. Um, and then given the fact what had happened with Gruden and just Vegas's offense last week looked horrendous um, because it, with everything had, had gone on uh, prior to that game and then just I don't I don't see any improvement there. So Denver has a, a really good defense. So I, I, I sense this a super ugly low-scoring game. I'm picking the under the 44-and-a-half. I'm going with over-under as well. I'm sticking with the AFC East. I'm going with Cowboys versus Patriots. I don't think Patriots win this game, but I think the points combined will be under 49-and-a-half. Patriots have done a great job of keeping teams at low-scoring affairs to try to keep their team in contention for it. I'm not saying the winner is going to be the Patriots, but I think their defense helps keep the points under 49 and a half when they go against the Cow- when the Cowboys come to visit the Patriots. And those are our picks for this week. We're going to put the show on a wrap for today. Thank you so much for listening. We've been the Sports Forecasters. Don't forget to listen to Nate's picks coming out on Saturday. Thank you for listening to the Sports Forecasters. Nathan Singer, Nick Alvarez. We'll see you next time.